Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party in Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how you doing, man? It's going really well. This is an episode that I've been looking forward to for the last week. I think there's a lot of fun changes for King's Canyon and big changes for Ranked that we can go over today. Yeah, today we are breaking down kind of the latest and greatest and ranked and talking all things Kings Canyon that are on our mind. So it's going to be a ton of fun, a lot of great information in here. Before we get into the episode, though, if you want a question answered, ask it in our Discord channel, meant for questions, join the Discord, or leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the support all the time over there. And give us a follow on Twitter, at Kirk Rudoche and at HB Burrison. Links for those are in the description below, as always. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you like the content, you want even more, or maybe you just want to stop listening to ads, uh, check out our Patreon. Link for that is in the description. Got a lot of fun benefits over there. Appreciate all your support and uh, hope to see you over there. Yeah, we appreciate any support that's over there. So yeah, let's get into it though. We're going to go straight into it. We got a lot to kind of cover today when we look at everything we got going on here. Um Man, it's a big set of changes to the King's Canyon, but I think let's start at the top first because we didn't cover it on the patch notes talk last week, so we wanted to save it for this ranked kind of episode. Um, we have the information now on ranked split dispersion from the last two seasons, which you know we haven't gotten for a while. I know it's one of the things you've been wanting for a while, and so it's kind of nice to have this back again. I'll let you take the lead on the distribution, how you want to talk about it. I think there's some really cool takeaways, though, uh, looking at these numbers holistically. Yeah, we've done entire episodes on this topic before, so I'll try to contain myself to not get too <laughs> into it, but you're exactly right. We haven't gotten any sort of success benchmarks on goals for ranked. We haven't gotten any player distribution. We haven't gotten any uh, percentage of games that are ranked versus public or arenas um, for almost two years now. And the lead developer that's focused on BR ranked, Aaron, has been pretty tight-lipped on the subject of releasing data. We chatted with him a little bit uh, last year honestly, about releasing data. And he told us, whenever we make a a big change, we'll definitely release some data. That has not really come uh, true, especially since we look back at massive changes in season 11, um, which we don't really know how much they rocked the boat. But now (laughs) we, we fortunately have a little bit of information just on player distribution in season 12 and 13 for both splits. And, you know, both these seasons were pretty wacky, to be honest. Um, I think some of the big takeaways are that in season 12, we had a massively inflated diamond player base. Mm -hmm. Like, just insane. You're looking at 25% of players that played ranked were hitting diamond both splits. That is probably not good and was pretty much an indicator that however the kill and placement points were awarded was way too easy to gain Mm -hmm. points. And that 
the reason that isn't good is it then affects the matchmaking where you feel like you're not playing against people of your skill level and that isn't fun to be Mm -hmm. absolutely destroyed. And when you throw a lot of players that should be maybe platinum into diamond lobbies, which are de facto master and pred lobbies, that's a pretty unhealthy and unfun ranked experience. So that's what was going on in both splits of season 12. We roll into season 13, sweeping changes, and we have the opposite effect. Like we have the vast majority of players um, being thrown into bronze, silver, and gold lobbies and not having any diamond uh, players whatsoever. You're looking at split one of season 13 with just 1% of players hitting diamond at all, uh, any tier of diamond. Uh, so that's pretty insane just in terms of a rubber band effect in the opposite direction. Full 180. Um, <laughs> yeah, full 180. But then you see that even though the changes in season 13 were really wacky with just changes to different tiers and entry costs, but also assists and also how you gain RP and how much it's worth, pretty confusing. We did see in split two that everything was way better. You had the majority of players uh, in a normal distribution. You had an appropriate amount of diamond players at about 8% of players. Um, and then you had a good, healthy master and pred group at less than half a percent, which mm-hmm. back in season 12, it was almost 4% of players were hitting master, which is extremely, extremely high um, to be kind of maxing out the rank system. Mm-hmm. Couple more maybe subjective takeaways from this data is that, you know, season 12, like I said, inflated diamond player base. Um, you probably shouldn't have 25% of players making the highest rank below master. Season 13, split one, um, seeing those record numbers in bronze, silver, and gold surely led to less ranked being played, which affects your matchmaking as well because then those players that do play are going to be playing against more difficult uh, opponents. Um, It was also just, you have to say that split one of season 13, there was legitimately no diamond players. If you hit plat one, you were in the 98th percentile of players, which is extreme. We've never had a split that difficult before. So very, very extreme. Um, And I would say that split two season 13 was how it should be. You know, you had the vast majority of players finish in gold, which makes sense. I think most players should be awarded a gold rank. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what a lot of players were questioning throughout the last four seasons is what is the ideal distribution? Um, Do you want something that's skewed to the bottom? Do you want most players to be bronze and silver? Um, Kind of reflecting what maybe the skill distribution is because Shay and I know the difference between a pred and a platinum player is so vast that maybe the distribution could affect or should impact that or should reflect it. Um, But honestly, I think a more standard distribution that has majority of players in gold and tapering down to plat um, with about 1% of players ever reaching master is really, really good. You don't want the majority of players 
only reaching silver or bronze because they're probably not going to play again. And gold yeah. is a very fulfilling reward. So mm-hmm. I think that the distribution that we had last split is very ideal. I am incredibly eager to see what happens next season. That's the big thing for me that's so interesting. Because I look at this data and I'm like, okay, yeah. they, you kind of learn from your mistakes. Like you tweaked, you figured something out, and you settled in a good spot. And then you made the KP changes. <laughs> and oh my goodness, I have no idea what this is going to look like. And we're yeah. not even going to know if we'll get the data for it either. Um, and so it's just going to be fascinating to kind of have to maybe do some guesswork if we don't get data on how the ranked is feeling now because the ability to essentially double the amount of RP you get in a game from last season, that's going to pretty heavily alter how you climb and who climbs. So yeah, yeah I think it's a, it's a crazy thing, but I'm so happy we got these numbers at the end of the day. Like I'm really happy we got to see this. It has been too long and yeah, I think I think you and I are on the same page that kind of like prior to the season where they kind of ended most recently was a pretty cool spot to be in that matches most games generally what they go for. Apex has always been a bit abnormal uh, in terms of competitive games previously. So this is a cool spot to see them at least be in now. And you know we'll see at the end of this split or the end of this season where they wind up at. And there was also a silent consensus that last split was really good you know Mm -hmm. you weren't hearing people complaining about ranked or matchmaking Mm -hmm. or points or anything so we will see what these sweeping changes uh will do but what exactly they did was removed diminishing returns on eliminations effectively Mm -hmm. allowing you to have unlimited kill points in ranked Um, Before, it was incredibly convoluted where you were getting percentages of kill points, which obviously increases with your placement um, and then would be impacted by um, if it was a kill or an assist or a a participation point. So kind of a lot going on there. Now it's a lot simpler, but Mm -hmm. very much more rewarding. So if you have high kill games, you're going to be severely more rewarded. The question here early on is is this good or bad for players it is different than what i think you and i have always been used to in terms of play style and i'm excited to get into it towards the end of this episode in terms of team comps with how you can play yeah. ranked specifically now because your options are more open the teammates and the team members that always kind of like ran in and maybe picked up two kills and died early you're still not going to have success there But if you snowball that now, you can make up for some of those bad games a lot more easily, which is an interesting balance to strike because it's it feels very anti what we were used to with ranked and it feels anti what the goals of ranked were, which we were under the impression the goals of ranked were to try and get it to match the competitive environment as much as possible. I don't think the competitive environment is like, hey, go slay like you're rewarded for that like placement's pretty much king there and this feels like kind of a shift in that direction and so you know we don't know who's driving these changes specifically but it seems like maybe there's some disconnect between the most recent thing we were told as the community versus what we're actually now seeing implemented into the game yeah you bring up some interesting points because yes i definitely think the legend meta 
is affected by this, and we'll go into that. But then you bring up professional and the similarities. Last global series, you know, Team Furia, they got placement and fragged out. It's and one team really rewarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of what is a successful team and ranked and what's a successful team and pro could be balancing out. My on paper analysis of this change is it is still really rewarding to get placement, but you can do a lot of damage if you have high kill games. Most players aren't going to play that way, just like mm-hmm. most pro teams aren't going to play like his Watson. Um, and so it shouldn't really affect the most players that are playing ranked um, because placement is still valuable. That wasn't taken away. Where I see this impacting players is at the high level, getting those really good aggressive players up through the ranks much faster, like double, triple the rate that they were yeah. in the beginning of season 13, because it's just so much easier to gain um, points. Is that good or bad for players? I would say that's very, very good mm-hmm. based off of my understanding on how matchmaking works and how you want to distribute the players, um, because you don't want a player who's in the top half of percent to be playing in plat for very long so Mm -hmm. if you can give them 600 points a game instead of 250 that's really really good uh, to making the matchmaking better yeah it's going to be interesting to see how the play style that we kind of talked about because legend change has really been affected if that is like the long term kind of where things settle like right now horizon is number one in pick rate in high level lobbies is she going to be number one in pick rate in high level lobbies in three weeks like once you're kind of further into the split and everyone's up higher um i think that'll be kind of like one of the interesting things to take a look at i just think this is hilarious that such an impactful change was i don't want to say like swept under the rug but it's like we didn't get a dev note for it we haven't seen anyone talk about why they did this on twitter because like you were talking about with the distributions it feels like they hit their goals last season and now we're almost like resetting to an extent uh it's odd i think uh, to say the least and not only does are you rewarded for playing differently but now how you play feels different as well because the other change we're going to talk about that we think does in fact rank a ton is the ring changes making the ring move faster or making the ring move sooner increasing the damage on round one is really impactful to how you go about playing the game generally speaking and I, I think this is in combo with this kill RP change, a really interesting just shift and in how you can go about playing the game. Do you think these two relate to each other or do you think this is still just like, how's it affecting you? I guess is more of the, the question I'll get into. If you land on the perimeter, you need to rotate very fast. You yeah. know, you land even uncontested at a place like caustic treatment. By the time you finish looting that POI, the ring is on you. Mm-hmm. That is very new. And, you know, in that context, it makes sense. Loot on the edge, finish looting a POI, and the ring is going to push you into the next ring. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. But as soon as you add a contest to that, it puts so much pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is going to affect the legend meta uh, for ranked. Yeah, uh, very much does. And it just makes everything feel almost harder 
early in the game. If you do get thirded early or you do run into another team while you're rotating in, there's this extra added pressure and you end up fighting in the ring. I felt like I've been fighting in the ring a lot yeah. this season, which was just interesting because I just that's another thing that I thought they didn't want in the game. You know, they added heat shields, which was really contradictive to that. But they kind of said, hey, we want the zone to be punishing and we want you to not be fighting in the zone. Generally, we got a really heavy zone meta last split where pros were out there kind of taking the social saying, stay in the zone till ring three, loot, craft med kits, like do your thing, take your time. And so maybe that's a part of why we're getting these changes now. But yeah, my goodness, it, it feels a bit different. That's for sure. And it is an adjustment to how and why you play. And I think there's a, it hasn't changed yet, I will say, at least my drop strategies, but maybe in higher levels it could impact things if dropping edge is causing more frustrations than it ever has before. Yeah. Let's get into some of the major changes on the loot side, but also drop locations on Kings Canyon. First thing being explosive holds. Still very valuable, worth an arc star if you have one to pop in. Always. Um, far less gold attachments. Gold extended mm. mags got dropped a lot in the possible loot table. Um, so less rewarding. You can't rely on an explosive hold to set you up entirely, um, which is disappointing. So they, they decrease the spawn rate of gold mags and mm-hmm. then added in blue attachments as well. So big nerf, I think, to explosive holds, but shouldn't deter you from using them. Mm-hmm. Only thing that's worth saying is the quality of loot on King's Canyon as a whole was decreased because of this one change. Yeah, agreed. And I think the other thing to note with explosive holes that I always want to say, because it's not something we talk about a ton, it's just so valuable for getting the guns you want also. You know, yeah. On those weapon racks, in those holds, are normally very solid weapons. And that's something I think is a little lost sometimes because we're really focused on the attachments. But if you're looking for that R301, you're looking for that G7, that 3030 or something, uh, I think you have a pretty good shot of getting something like that in one of the holds. Yeah. Eight spawns. And I even appreciate the ammo. Like, yeah, totally. I, I yeah. think the holds are all good bang for your buck if they, they cost your team one grenade. Um, next update, going to be caustic treatment. Uh, this is one of, traditionally, my favorite POIs uh, mm-hmm. in the entire game because of the containers that hold gold loot. Um, we both noticed the decrease uh, to the quality of loot or the rarity of loot. Um, we want to do, I think, some more digging in terms yeah. of how drastic we think it is. Both of us are still able to get gold weapons. Um, but Shay, you've had pretty drastic experiences with not as much gold loot at all. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like I've been like I feel like I've been getting two of four, like two of four gold to purple ratio, which is that's not the caustic treatment of old. The caustic treatment of old is who wants a gold weapon? You get a gold weapon if you go there. And like Henry said, we kind of want to test that more before we say it with extreme certainty. I put out a tweet about it, had a few people respond. A few people said they kind of felt the same way. But like this is a change that if it is a change, it's not in the patch notes. It's not really anywhere that we can say with 100% certainty right now. This is kind of just a going off feel thing as of now. Um, 
And yeah, like you were saying, it's one of our favorite drop locations. So if we kind of continue to go here, because we still are as of now, but we continue to kind of feel this, it, it could definitely work its way into not being as appealing as a spot to drop early on. Because I do think it's pretty like contested drop, generally speaking, still, because people like the gold stuff. Yeah. The next major change that we picked up on is Map Room. Um, when it first came into the game, really Ooh. exciting, high-tier loot. Very quickly after that, in the next split, actually, they dropped it down in its loot rarity. So it wasn't as rewarding to go there. You had the explosive hold, but it wasn't as much of a guarantee to be getting that armor mm-hmm. that you needed. Um, it's back to high-tier loot. So map room is as valuable as it ever has ever has been um, relative to other POIs on the map. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. Relic, or Skulltown, is back and is a major POI. This is a huge addition uh, to the loot pool. Not only is this going to have a large space on the map in terms of real estate, but also an explosive hold, survey beacon, um, definitely a huge impact on the entire game. Yeah, definitely. Um, Capacitor also received a major update. Um, Now, no longer are there three charge towers, but there are only one. What an interesting Um, change, man. What an interesting change on this one, particularly. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, I think it's sad in terms of how fun capacitor fights were. Um, you know, I this isn't something that the casual players were asking for. I know that. <laughs> That's Jay, for so sure. That's for sure. It's uh, for some reason. Um, but another kind of small note on drop locations are rotations are more challenging. You know, we lost four uh, very noteworthy jump towers, mm-hmm. one outside rig, one outside capacitor one outside south tower and then the other one was in between what's now relic and market um these make things a lot different and so your drop locations are massively affected by this um if you've listened to our previous ranked guides for kings um you're not gonna hear the same places because Mm -hmm. it's just so much more difficult to safely rotate and play a Kind of strategic ranked game yeah and with the ring changes as well you really feel it because you don't have the easy jump towers in a lot of spots or the ones that you can chain together to get these quick escapes you are very much now just in trouble uh in certain rotations yeah. if you get into a fight when you're not expecting to like i think that's the kindest way you can say it which is a pretty interesting change to me uh for better or for worse totally um, let's dive into those recommended drops. And before we go through them one by one, um, just kind of blanket statement. Um, our recommendation is you drop uncontested. Mm-hmm. Um, getting early KP is definitely one thing and is pretty valuable now more than ever. However, not risking a 50-50 and having loot in order to get that early KP is definitely going to be favorable in our recommendation. In terms of where you're going to go if it's uncontested you're looking for the perimeter um you don't want the closer to the center you land it will be more contested you will be closer to the next ring but you're more uh subject to getting third party to run into Mm -hmm. more teams because your back isn't covered by the edge of the map or the zone um 
you don't necessarily need high-tier loot. You're only looking for enough loot for three people. Two blue shields is still fine um, in the ranked environment. Because of that kind of minimum requirement, you also are going to be looking out for replicators because they're a great way now more than ever to quickly level up your shields, get weapons, get ammo, get bats, uh, attachments, anything you might need. Replicators are a massive part to ranked play today. Yep. And the last kind of blanket requirement is going to be survey beacons. But a bit of an asterisk on this one. Before this season, Kings Canyon was the single most important map to be playing survey beacons in Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. The just idea of power positions, which we'll touch on after the break, is no longer apparent. And so yeah. the kind of extreme necessity to plan for those end positions with the survey scan is no longer uh, as important. So mm-hmm. be looking for a survey beacon, still definitely favorable to get that intel, but now definitely more along the lines of other maps like World's Edge. Mm-hmm. So that's a big update. I think like this one's pretty big for me, and I'll talk about it with the legend concepts or the team concepts later because there's a comp that I've been playing some success that doesn't really play into the beacon. But yeah. on this map specifically, for the first time, I have been valuing the replicator more than the beacon uh, when dropping, which I have never done that before. And so that's a big update. And I think pretty big just for even one of us to say that on on this podcast, which we've been kind of beacon bros uh, since day one. years, yeah. By all means, it's still great. It's just like you said, and we'll talk about the power positions. There are some changes because of it. And there's a lot of factors that went into decreasing our recommendation of the the survey beacon so it's noteworthy Mm -hmm. um talking about some locations though for drops first one on the list in no particular order is crash site this is a massive poi which is going to yield mega loot you're looking at two nearby explosive holds and then relatively safe rotations out of this. Mm-hmm. You're not going through um, highly trafficked POIs. You're not limited to just one option in how you rotate. So if you get crash site uncontested or you can split it in a pretty peaceful and respectful way, <laughs> I would really recommend dropping here because it's super rewarding. Yeah. If you get this uncontested, I think it's the best drop in the game. Um I think this is a place for a team. If a team wants to get early KP and fight pretty early, it's one of the best drops in terms of you're able to, like you said, kind of split it, yeah, pause, and then fight, which isn't normal. And you will still have some RNG games for sure where you get out armored or something. Um, but just because it's not a pure 50-50, it's still very much uh, doable a, a lot of times. It's a huge POI and, like you said, very rewarding uh, for many reasons outside of it. Yeah, I think for splitting it and getting that early KP, it's the largest POI on the map for mm-hmm. doing that, especially when you think about how seamless the transition is from crash site into spotted lakes. Totally. Where you're just getting so much space and so much loot to fight and play around um, that it's a pretty good ranked spot. So keep an eye out for for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the next one being swamps, which is definitely new on our list. Um, Very. <laughs> it's uh, on the perimeter. You have a rare jump tower on the perimeter as well, uh, after so many of them were taken out of the map. Um, but you're also looking at a survey beacon spawn here. Improve, or you have the survey beacon spawn and a new explosive hold added to swamps. And the other positive thing, at least in the limited sample size for this split so far, is it tends to be uncontested. Mm -hmm. It's the ugly. POI. I think that's why people look yeah. at it and they're like, oh, it's it's really spread out. So it can be hard to loot at times. And it hasn't really been changed in a while. And the direct areas around it haven't been changed in a while. So I don't think it has like just the visual appeal that everyone's always looking for in the POIs. But yeah, like you said, you have that rare jump tower, which I think is pretty key for this one, especially with how valuable they are with the removal of a handful of them. And I love uncontested. This place tends to be uncontested for me. Uh, you get a lot of good stuff here. So uh, I'm a fan of swamps. It's one of my kind of go-tos right now. One of those first places I look, depending on the flight of the dropship. I'm curious what you think about this. Swamps is such a manual POI to loot. Yeah. I personally have found more success looting it north to south to try to get away from labs as quickly oh gosh, as possible. Going through the compass in my head. Okay, so you start yep. up towards labs and come down towards... Yep. Okay, okay. Because I feel like labs can kind of sneak up on you if people yeah. want to maybe third party you or jump in on you. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're kind of more towards hydro repulsor, you have so much more of a, a barrier of open space between you that you're going to see them coming yeah. and you won't get snuck up on as much. My, my loot pattern, generally speaking, here has been essentially send two people north, one person south. If you get it uncontested, yeah, kind of try to meet in the middle towards the uh, uh, jump tower, kind of. Uh, because yeah. I'm talking like drop all the way on the building up on the hill on the south outside of swamps almost to an extent. Gotcha. So you're, you're taking up a huge footprint. Um, and you'll have some games where you're running from the zone because of that with the changes here. But that's, you know, that's yeah. kind of something we're willing to work around with uncontested perimeter drops still, generally. And at a POI like Swamps, you may favor not fully looting it and True. rotating earlier. Yep. You know, if you can rely on a replicator or the explosive hold for some of the key components of your kit, you might want to just get a move on depending yep. on the ring. Yep, totally. Next POI is going to be Basin, renamed probably the most so, in history yeah. uh, for, for the, Apex Legends. Most renamed for similarity to how it is, yeah. if that makes sense. It's not like yep. we gone town takeover or put a whole new POI. No. Like It's now back at its OG state pretty much, pretty but it's much. got a new name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now Basin, <laughs> a pretty fancy, shiny new name. This is still a good spot. I think mm -hmm. we recommended this uh, last time we're on ranked for kings um have a survey beacon spawn it's on the perimeter of course it has improved loot now with the updates it gets more buildings more mm -hmm. bins um you have a replicator spawn you also have an explosive hold maybe a possible downside is that this can be a far rotation yeah. you know with losing out on some of the key jump towers if you don't get a great scan or a great mm -hmm. ring shrink basin can be a challenge but Given all the positives, I think it still is 
worthy of the list. Yeah. This one checks a lot of boxes to me in terms of, you know, kind of like the the bonuses of what you get out of here. The rotations can be quite far, which is like you said, a downside. I, I do like that you can get the edge rotations if you want to. And so you can you can go down through swamps. Like you can go yeah. through artillery and try to take these you know, less less likely to run into another team pathways, I think, uh, w- which isn't always the case, especially with, you know, the popular side of the mount, oct- map, octanes and stuff where I feel like you're really guaranteeing you're going into another team uh, along the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. But now the next POI here is going to be Relic. I think yep. that it's got the loot, possible early KP, it's got the hold, replicator, beacon. The only caveat here is even if you get it uncontested, this is risky. Very, mm-hmm. very hard rotations. You are going to be pigeonholed through the one tunnel towards cage if you don't have the shrink at relic. Mm-hmm. No jump towers, no options really for the most part, and the ring is so fast that you're going to be pressured. Yeah, yeah. The loot's worth it, like you said, though, at the top. Like, you have... I think people underestimate how strong the perimeter loot is as well. Uh, like on the edge of the walls towards the water side of the map, you have like those three kind of like outposts, if that makes sense. Uh, and those, I think you can get some very strong loot at. So if you do truly get it uncontested, you can have one person go up there by yourself and you're splitting the main POI amongst yourself. Uh, pretty huge. And if it pulls you this way, if, it, if the ring pulls this way, you're in a great advantage in terms of kind of having the height to oversee a lot of the map. So risky, risky for sure. But there's there's good payoff uh, with this one. Yeah, I'll second that just to emphasize it. Those three kind of pipes that I yeah. think lore-wise are funneling sand to fill in the, the missing course. land. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how that You works, don't move your but, sand uh, through pipes like that? Come on, man. Not Come on. typically, but I'm not an expert. <laughs> um, well, I think landing there, if it's contested, is definitely worthwhile. Agreed. You have good visibility because you have some high ground inside the pipe mm-hmm. and really good loot, especially if you land on the two that are connected. Yep. Um, so that's a little tip for Relic. Maybe in pubs, maybe in ranked. You know, that's up to you. I wish um, it like I love it in ranked, but you do get slowed yeah. down a bit, and that can be a concern if you get that ring that's far yeah. from you, which is the only downside to kind of like that outside the POI rotate and drop with the ring changes. Agreed. Two more locations on the yep. list. First one being map room. Already talked a tiny bit about it. Now it's new high tier loot. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Also have the scan, which is scanning the whole map for enemies, but also the survey beacon built in, so any team comp can run here and get critical intel, have the explosive hold, and I would say still a solid rotation. Mm -hmm. We lost one jump tower, but in terms of your options, I still think you could go three different ways Mm -hmm. to get to the opposite side of the map relatively safely. I agree, 100%. Last one on the list is going to be caustic treatment. It's still gold loop. You know, yep. it might have gone down in its spawn rate, but you're still able to get gold weapons here, gold armor, and Just in like a ranked Valk. game. It was good. Yeah. You take a little bit away, still good. Like, don't hate just it's because if good. there's a change that happened. <laughs> I mean, gold weapons, you know, sometimes, depending on the season, you don't want to be distracted by them. Like, mm-hmm. oh, shiny gold weapon when it's not that good. You know, an example of this is gold charge rifle. 
that's not really giving you a whole lot. But right now, you're getting gold G7, gold R9. That is saving you so much effort and looting and just randomness to get all those attachments for really good weapons that it's worth kind of prioritizing those gold weapons. Um, also on the perimeter, also survey beacon spawns, jump tower. I would also say safe rotation, especially mm -hmm. for a perimeter POI after all the damage that was done. Yep, agreed. I, I second that. Uh, before we get into the rest of the episode, though, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. We hinted at it earlier. We're going to talk about power positions. We're going to talk about the end game, essentially. Now, walk us through King's Canyon end game positioning, how it's changed, maybe any tips that we now have. Uh, to, yeah, overall thoughts. So power position. Uh, something that we've coined uh, in our own way for a long, long time. And now Apex is using. Incorrectly. <laughs> and I will point that out. Um, a power position to the third party means that you have high ground, visibility, defendable, um, with probably environment around you so that you don't have to look and defend 360 degrees. Yep. This map used to be the king. So far and above, yeah. King's Canyon was the king of power positions. Yep. Um, how the developers used this term was by referring to cage and the fact that they topped it off, but it was still a power position. This is not factually accurate based off our definition of power positions, so do not be confused by the use of the term. Um, cage is no longer something that you can defend very confidently, even if you have a Watson, Rampart, Newcastle. I would say. Um, yeah. Still incredibly risky to try to defend it. And it's not on our list uh, for places that you should be going for end game positioning. Break my heart. Um, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. So, other updates to what we would have called power positions or key locations to rotate to if you scan them on the beacon. Um, we now have zip lines or stairs added to artillery, repulsor, and airbase walls. So, those are more difficult to defend, but also more accessible. So it's not that you maybe shouldn't go there, but they're much, much harder to defend or have a powerful presence there. Before, mm -hmm. you would see a team there and you'd say, okay, they have the best position, we're playing for second place. Or we cannot take that from them because it's, it's too difficult. Now, you have some options with mobility legends, with jump towers, with those stairs to mount a pretty substantial assault on those locations yep you also had uh, a change to a high ground location outside of bunker um which kind of goes in between cage and bunker and kind of the i would call it a cave but a major overpass of mountain yeah. uh, on top of the river that kind of got more fleshed out so you had a substantial back door which really opened up how you would hold that position to at least three uh, areas to attack from. So that isn't super powerful in that location. You also had the rig major wall that's you know holding up the crane now become out of bounds. So you sad. also have the wall um, or rocks surrounding relic out of bounds. So any sort of wall high ground that you were used to is either unplayable or way more accessible, which massively changes how you rotate and play end games. 
And you may think, hey, don't worry, between rig and capacitor, I'm going to play the pipes. Great high ground. No, 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 no. News to me, too many angles you can get absolutely beaten from on that. So that area of the map really yeah. changed in terms of an endgame perspective. It's, it's wild, really, when we look at it holistically. Yeah, you, you package all those kind of facts together and you ask, what does this mean? And in my opinion, it means the high ground is still valuable, of course, mm-hmm. like in any shooter. However, if you plan for positioning, plan for endgame, it's all about defending a building or securing high ground really well. Mm-hmm. Now, I will kind of pose this question. Is this change a buff or a nerf to Watson specifically? It is such an interesting question. Um, I think in my mind, I look at it as a buff for her. I now have a reason to play her in the situation when I probably wouldn't have before. I think. We were unique in that we would kind of double down sometimes. We would go, hey, let's take the power position and use Watson in previous seasons. Not a lot of people did that. Her pick rate was very low. And I think now you actually have a reason to play her because you could take these you know, semi-powerful positions now and make them at least more secured for the most part. So I, I definitely think it's a little buff for her. She fits into one of our team comps, generally speaking. But it's little things like, you want to play the artillery walls? It's a huge benefit to be able to fence the zip line coming up at this point. Yeah. Um, she's gotten a little love, in my opinion. What do you think, though? I think it's a challenging question. Um, I kind of do agree, though. I think before you have a power position and a Watson, it's done. You've yeah. made your presence known with defenses, mm-hmm. and you have now counter any sort of artillery strike. But now that it's harder to kind of find a really powerful position, mm-hmm. getting those free shields on a map with less loot and making your presence known is probably more valuable. So yeah. will we see a huge influx of Watson play? Probably not. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad that even though this major change did impact her, I don't think it's necessarily for the worse. Well, I, I think she got she got more valuable in the concept of playing for positioning, but I think yeah. the general concept of playing for positioning got less valuable. So it's almost like net neutral, probably in the end, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, and in that same kind of vein, you know, normally we talk about end game positioning. Mm-hmm. What are the locations you want to get to? The truth is, KP matters more than ever. Placement and winning is still rewarding given the point structure. However, getting to the best positioning is way less critical in ranking up into platinum. So for our guide, it's not something that you need to be really focused on. You Mm want to be thinking more about how do you push fights? How do you capitalize on opportunities? How are you going to loot effectively? And honestly, how are you going to survive the ring um, in these games? So Now that there is unlimited KP and it does not diminish in its value, the points you earn with 10 kill points and a third is far easier to achieve than five kill points and a win based off how the map and the POIs are constructed now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the RP nearly evens out between these two results uh, no matter what rank you're in. So if you can consistently get more KP and less placement, you're going to actually gain at the same rate as if you were prioritizing the win, which 
Huge. I don't know how much we want to talk about that. You Mm -hmm. know, that's a huge change to how ranked will feel, how Mm -hmm. difficult ranked will be. And I think that the developers have made some pretty massive statements to what they want ranked to be Mm -hmm. in the last six months that this is yet another big change where, you know, if if you don't get 10th place, you're a loser. Yeah. And we want it to be like professional, which is slow and strategic, but then also rewarding kills at such a high level makes it seem like really aggressive and people won't be playing maybe as serious uh, if you're killing with random. So we will see. There's a reason we thought that the unlimited KP change to Apex Legends was the biggest change ranked had ever seen. And we kind of walked it back last season because of the diminishing returns. It wasn't truly unlimited KP like we have now. So we're almost back to square one of biggest change yet. Um, It's a lot. It's truly a lot. You can no longer make fun of the people that want to just aggressively push fights because if you can win more fights than you lose, you won't win as much. But generally speaking, I think you can still get that the RP you need to keep on climbing, which is just different. And it does come back to you know, what do the developers want out of rank? It, it seems to be shifting. I just I'd love a comment from a developer on this one. Yeah. This is such an interesting change. I would love to hear more about it because I think we're seeing the the highlights of it every day where we're seeing, oh my gosh, I just got one thousand KP from silver to gold because I got the promotion plus I put up this monster game. Yeah. Like, and that's just insane <laughs> that that's even possible yeah. at this point. So yeah. I don't know. It is. But now that we've kind of gone over the rank changes, the loot changes, drop locations, how end game works now in the ranked environment. Let's get into, I think, the best part, and that's really the legends. What mm-hmm. kind of legends are going to do well on this map in this ranked environment? And then how can you construct really powerful teams um, around some of the things you need to do? Mm-hmm. And we've um, always been big on this legend stuff from day one. Yeah. We've always been like ahead of the, hey, legends do change and it matters map to map, mm-hmm. which is something that. You know, I think a lot of people were trying to say it wasn't. So I just want to toot our own horn again uh, before we kind of dive into this one. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to have some really good takes here because the truth is Horizon is not that good anymore. Yeah, and she's number and one. <laughs> for some reason, the, the best players in the game think that she is. So I think that will massively change over time as they come to their senses and realize the potential outside of Horizon. And if you're a master or predator or even a diamond player right now, maining Horizon, and you swear by her, at me in Discord. I'm not even going to like, we don't need to argue or anything. I just kind of want to know your perspective because like we've been trying to connect the reasonings per se. And I think I have a reasoning, but I'd kind of like to hear it a bit more from someone that's maybe kind of living that life daily. Yeah, I just feel the opportunity cost is so high. Yeah. You know, but let's get into what our thoughts are because we got some cool ones here. Cool. Now that we kind of broke this into some categories, think about the first category being cover. Now that there are no more power positions and getting high ground and something that's easy to defend is really not possible on Kings, having something that protects you and your team, very valuable. So we're talking Gibraltar, Rampart, Newcastle. Some people are saying Gibraltar is no longer you know, viable. Uh, in Apex in general. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that. 
the truth is Gibraltar is his least popular he has ever been in competitive Apex, mm-hmm. and it shocks me greatly. Um, I think we've seen some major changes that we may get into later, unless we want to dive into it right now. Uh, we'll get into it in a little bit. I think just right. high level on the Gibraltar stuff, he's, like you said, not as popular right now. I, we always looked at high levels of ranked as a you know a reflection of pro play and what to expect to an extent. Mm-hmm. And with the changes to the rank system, we're not 100% sure we should look at it that way. So I'm really interested before I kind of like jump to any Gibraltar conclusions on what the next pro event has in store for us in terms of Gibraltar yeah. pick rate and how the pros are still kind of looking at him on a case-by-case basis. So that's like just the caveat I want to throw in there for anyone that like really kind of cares about upper-level ranked and comp Gibraltar uh, popularity because you and I both do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people know I'm a Gibraltar man. I mm-hmm. think he is the most powerful legend in the game. He's incredibly versatile, pushing, defending, rotating. He's the best. Um, the truth is, last time we were on Kings for ranked, he had a 5 or 6% pick rate. Now, it's 1% or 2%. So, massive change in popularity. We'll see where it settles. Rampart, gotta put in here. I think she's really, really useful in defending buildings. Like we said, it's kind of the thing to do if you want positioning. And Sheila is not only really nice for having a high damage weapon, but in a ranked environment, pretty nice to have that for free. Mm-hmm. Newcastle is the one I really want to stress here. Um, I think his tactical and ultimate are really, really good for King's Canyon. Um, and I hope that he has played more. Um, looking at the ultimate, just in terms of being able to play positions that you couldn't play otherwise, this is a big opportunity because we've never really had a legend like this on Kings. And now that we've had major walls and power positions taken away, I think Newcastle will surprise people and give you a lot of valuable positioning on this map. Agreed. Agreed. Next kind of category, rotations. Um, Losing so many jump towers, changing how canyons are uh, like organized with no more caves, some new caves um, can be difficult to rotate now more than ever. Valkyrie. Um, number one rotator uh, in the game, more valuable than ever, ironically, despite her nerf. Um, you know, it just it makes her better to have her at locations like capacitor, like outside market. These are places you want to go early and loot. Very difficult if you can't rotate quickly. Valkyrie allows you to do that and probably have a better ranked experience. Yeah, I think that's key though. Use her now to rotate early versus using her to be able to rotate late. Because of the zone changes pushing people together sooner, if you're using her to say, hey, the ring's on us, guys, let's pop a heat shield and then we'll Valk out of here, I think you're going to run into more situations often than not where you're kind of coming into a, hey, there's three teams kind of coming up on my scan we might not land in the safest spot. We could get beamed in a pretty bad environment. So using her earlier than even normal uh, is how I think you're going to get the most out of her versus kind of like the late rotations because of those zone changes. Yeah, and just like always, I think coupling Valk with Gibraltar 
is really, really strong. Yep. But in that exact scenario that you outlined, that's where Newcastle can shine. Yep. You know, if you are having to rotate or drop into a pretty hot location in rink two, having Newcastle allows you to have that breathing room to heal, to get some damage out, maybe involve yourself in a third party or two. Mm-hmm. Um, other category, specifically for Kings Canyon, counter loot. A lot mm-hmm. of people struggle with looting on this map. The density, uh, the volume is less than other maps and kind of popular POIs. The obvious answer to this is going to be Loba. Second obvious answer is going to be Lifeline with the care package, especially with charge towers. But I'll also put on here Vantage and Rampart for their ultimates. Being able to have really great weapons for free allows you to spread the loot out a lot more and be more successful long term definitely going to the end game it's nice to have those ultimates the other counter loot legend is maybe something that's not as intuitive but watson being able to have free shields for the entire team in the middle and late game it's massive to just being able to survive especially yep. when you're fighting the zone when you're fighting other teams when you're fighting kind of not the best in terms of uh, loot or heals. Uh, so I really like Watson. If you're not able to play Replicators, um, her ultimate is a game changer. And if you haven't really played it since she got a quote-unquote rework, it's fast. It's really, really fast, and you can use it offensively to heal quickly. Yep, agreed. Next and final category on our kind of legend breakdown is going to be getting the first knock. We're in a KP-focused ranked environment, so having at least one legend that is focused on not necessarily aggression or pushing or mobility, but specifically getting the first knock and wiping teams. Seer. Definitely going to be high on this list. A lot of players at the high level are understanding this. Last split, we saw a lot of players take to Seer and get a ton of value. Don't have to go into specifically how. Vantage is one that I am bullish on. I have been loving Vantage. I've been getting first knocks with her. Her ultimate is so powerful at not only tagging enemies, but getting the knock, getting first a limbs as well like we talked about in Mastering the Legends, Mm -hmm. but also having the tactical in order to push that first knock, really, really valuable. Other crazy one I'll say, where you take maybe the last two, is (laughs) Fuse. I think Fuse is just beginning in the damage that he can do to Apex Legends. His ability to deal massive damage with with a Sniper or an LMG or a G7, and then having that enemy say, oh, that really hurt. You hit me for a headshot. I'm going to dock behind this rock. And then sending a tactical to do 30 to 80 damage, and you have two of them, and then you can also hit them with an ultimate. In terms of getting the first knock, Fuse's entire ability set, including the passive, is Mm -hmm. all about dealing massive damage. If you're not taking advantage of this, you really should, because I think Fuse is just starting. I think if the ult was more impactful, I think we could seriously talk about Fuse as like really climbing and making an impact. And I think he's good. And I was going to surprise you by saying I've been playing a good amount of Fuse this ranked season. Yeah. Um, but it's some, that ult still feels somewhat limiting 
it is that tactical for me though. That is just so freaking valuable to, yeah, for all the reasons you just said, uh, you're handing off the last two to me, I guess for good reason, because I'm the one that's been playing these ones majorly, but we got crypto to start. Crypto does not always make the connection in a lot of people's head as the first knock legend, but We've been trying to play crypto so aggressively and it has worked quite well for us. When you can go into a fight up 150 health on your enemies because they've all taken 50 damage each, you're going to help secure that first knock and no problem. Uh, And it's a tactic we've had a lot of success with. So aggressive crypto, very impactful. And then last we got caustic. I love aggressive caustic. I think a caustic that knows how to isolate an enemy and get a one-on-v-one easy is absolutely major for your team. One of the most frustrating things to go against, in my opinion. But if you can, you know, with your team say, hey, this person's kind of on their own, it's worth using your ultimate to just automatically yeah. go up one. Because that's what you will do with your ult. If you throw an ult on an enemy and they're isolated, they're highlighted for you, they're slowed, they're taking damage. It's almost one of the freest kills in the game. And I think obviously that's great at securing the first knock. It takes a little bit more lead up because you need to find that somewhat isolated person. Uh, but if you can do so effectively, my goodness, you're going to just run through people. Buzzsaw. I think Seer, I think, is the known one right now. Yeah. We'll see how long that lasts. But these other four, I'm pretty confident in that they're really effective legends that are ready for ranked mm-hmm. and maybe aren't fully taken advantage of. Vantage, of course, is really popular right now, but who knows how long that'll last. Remember this episode, because unless her ultimate gets nerfed substantially, Mm. she's going to be powerful. Well, I guess we're going to wrap things up now with team comps, and uh, we'll try and keep this somewhat quicker because you're getting the long guide today, listeners. Henry and I always underestimate how long it's going to take us to get through map guides, uh, but hopefully it's all good information and you're enjoying it. So if you stick with us, you're here for some of the team comps now. Uh, there's a few we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about three, uh, and to me, these team comps kind of just boil down to how you want to play the map and how you want to play Apex generally. So what we kind of came up with was a team name and a team mantra, and then we'll kind of get through the breakdowns for who you play and why. And so first, we got team proactive rotations. Their mantra is play power positions. And this is what we've always kind of said. This is how we normally play, uh, even with the changes to the map as we talked about. You know, power positions still have value to an extent. And so you can still play this way and win games and place high. still an effective tool uh, to do so. We talk about it all the time. You need the beacon and the rotation. You get both of those in playing Valk. Rotating earlier, more aggressively with her, fits into this play style of rotating as fast as possible. Strong fit. She kind of leads this team nowadays. It it used to be the Octane was like one of our favorites for proactive rotations, but Valk just does it so much more effectively than everyone else. But once you get there, you kind of got to know, hey, how are we going to defend this? Now more than ever, you need to defend this. You need the defensive legend. So we got Watson and Caustic in here as these two. Chose these two uh, versus just kind of like the one Newcastle who I did kind of think about. Can we try and slide Newcastle into the defensive lineup? The limitation on how much space you can defend uh, with him and kind of set up in advance as you get there proactively, I think limits his ability to slide into this role. Watson and Caustic can control larger area uh, with both of their abilities. And that's just in a 
an important aspect of once you get somewhere earlier, kind of making your presence felt and being able to get some kills for people that try and push you because now you will be try and pushed uh, more than ever. And then last but not least, the recon legend, because recon's just always freaking great. One, for scouting out these power positions, making sure you're not uh, going up on somebody unsuspectingly and uh, putting yourself in a bad situation. But also, you know, a lot of games you are still going to need the recon to be able to make rotations uh, and to be able to take fights effectively. You know, we think, you know, Bloodhound, Seer, Crypto kind of fit this mark. Having recon going into a fight, huge advantage. All three of those kind of clear out uh, the ability to go in with no uh, no information early on. What do you think of uh, team proactive rotations? <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. I like playing this way. I think a lot of people see Seer as aggressive right now, but it is so nice to have a Seer on a defensive team comp because mm-hmm. you can watch your back. You know what's going to happen. You're ready for it. You can react defensively. Yep. Um, if you are willing to sacrifice the recon, which definitely gives you the most flexibility True. in this team comp, mm-hmm. and go with just Valk, where you're getting the beacon, you're getting some scan, you're getting rotation, and then you double up on Newcastle and Watson, that explodes mm-hmm. your possibility to defend locations where you can cover a large area with fences, you can protect Watson's ultimate with the wall, and have a pretty rock-solid defense. Mm-hmm. I'll also just add in a little uh, tip here. If you really like playing power positions, the one power position that is still powerful on Kings is the North and South Watchtower. If you're playing mm-hmm. inside that, where there is the drop-down entrance and the single-door entrance, that is defendable. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, if you count both of them, they're very common. In in shrinks because they're so central and there's one in the north, one in the south. So you can still play those very effectively. And with this team comp, getting there first is still very effective. Agreed. Team number two, team full aggro, mantra, maximize KP changes. And this is the new team comp. This is the comp that pushes everything to get as much KP as possible. You are probably going to win less overall, but you might and probably will climb more than usual if you can still get some high finishes with the high KP counts. And so for a team like this, you need to be able to get as aggressive as possible. And so you need some movement. The medium range movement is kind of what's key versus kind of the Valk long range movement. So the Ash or the Octane to close the gap on people as a team very quickly, very big. Uh, I think obviously... Defensive legends are still played. People are in defensive positions a lot of the time. And so having a anti-defense legend that still has movement built into their kit uh, that can kind of fill both those roles, get themselves there, and help poke down the enemy is big. And so we got Horizon or Mag- Maggie kind of fitting into this role. Um, I don't know. Horizon doesn't fit into this as like a 20-plus percent pick rate person to me. Uh, but she's still been played a ton and she still does fit this role to an extent. The ult has suffered a bit and can be countered, uh, but you still are obviously making people think about it. You're attacking from different angles. You're getting your team vertical as well if you need to attack a power position. So there is definitely still a role for Horizon. Uh, and, and Maggie, I think she is very, very fun and for attacking those defensive legends, those people that are bolted up inside She's pretty dang powerful at doing so with that wrecking ball and combo with the drill. Very strong. And then last but not least, Recon. I guess Recon's fitting into a lot of our comps, but truly very powerful, especially for when you're aggressive. We talked endlessly about 
how can you identify the separated team member so you can turn a 3v3 into a 3v2? Bloodhound and Seer both allow you to do that. Uh, Seer with the ultimate to lead in as the fight, and Bloodhound with the ult or the tactical, but truly the tech, uh, to really isolate and identify who you need to go after. That's a very aggressive team. Try and get some KP if you're going to play with this kind of squad. I think this is more so where you're going to see the meta settle mm -hmm. uh, for this rank. Which is crazy. Changes are made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I mean, that's why you're listening to the podcast, um, because this is a major shakeup. Um, in terms of anti-defense, crypto, we mentioned, can be played aggressively. It's very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, it can, if you feel confident. Fuse is also great at breaking defensive positions. Unless it's a Watson in the ult. Mm -hmm. If it's a building, if it's any other legend, I think Fuse is really good at doing that on par with somebody like Mad Maggie. Yeah. I think uh, the, the reason I didn't put Fuse in, who 100% was very close to making the list, is the mobility that those two legends offer to obviously keep the yeah. team rolling in other directions as well. I think pairs well on this map. Uh, but I definitely Literally would. rolling. That was great. I didn't even mean to. Oh my goodness. Wrecking ball. Wrecking it's ball. That's right there. Last but not least, we got Team Edge. And I got to say, this is what I've been experimenting with the most and having some success with. And the mantra is reactivity raises your floor. And this team is built around one concept. Be ready for any situation and try to take isolated fights on the edge of the map. Uh, with a lot of people rotating in early now, afraid of the zone. Finding yourself on the edge, away from third parties, and rotating in late, I think raises your placement floor pretty high, and especially can allow you to take very smart fights. But because of this, if you're playing edge, we've always said with edge, you got to be able to really react to any situation. You're not going to get the buildings. You're not going to be able to get the power positions. Yeah. So you kind of got to be able to fend for yourself. And so a team that allows you to do that is the Newcastle-Gibraltar combo. Very reactive, very versatile. Build your own fort. One, you know, permanent. I guess I always say, do we? Can we still say Gibraltar is permanent, even though Maggie can now technically like destroy it? I think, generally speaking, still permanent though, for the most part, right? <laughs> it's temporary over twelve seconds, but it does have unlimited unlimited health. health so. But yeah, so you're temporarily permanent, and then Newcastle. We don't need to echo Henry. You hit the nail on the head. That's why he's in this comp. The ability to react to any situation, build your own fort at a moment's notice. And I think that third slot around those two as being the core is a bit more flexible. I think recon is always a strong option. See your bloodhound, get those isolated fights. Or I think the medium range movement, if you want a little bit more versatility with the Ash or the Octane to be able to say, hey, we're playing edge, but if we have to, we will do want kind of the ability to move in if need be. But this is a very, very different team comp than I think we've ever played. And truly, when I say edge, you're edge. Like you are absolutely yeah. riding the edge of the zone, trying to take as many isolated fights as possible. And when it gets to the nitty gritty of the end game, you're using your walls, your bubble, your ultimate to get people away from you, your tactical shield, everything to essentially keep yourself alive for long periods of time. You'll probably never see Newcastle and Gibraltar being played together at a pro level. Mm -hmm. um, but I think on a map like this for ranked, where low ground and open space is some of the your biggest challenges, them together give you so much value. And for that third spot, I'm with you. I, I couldn't decide between those two sort of Very options strong. or four legends. Mm -hmm. It couldn't really go wrong. It 
really depends on your players and who feels more confident playing which way because Mm -hmm. you're still going to play on the edge. You're Mm -hmm. not going to mess around. So I might lean more towards recon, but having the flexibility of mobility Mm -hmm. is never a bad thing. So you can go either way. Props to NRG, who I saw running this and ranked on SweetStream Sweetstream, uh, and kind of showing how to play this. Like you said, I don't think they're going to be playing it in comp anytime soon, but uh, yeah. definitely got to give them the credit for this one. That's going to wrap up our show, a marathon one. Thank you for sticking with us. It's been a while since we've gone over an hour, so I hope you all enjoyed. Thank you so much to our producer of the Third Party 10 who supports us over on Patreon. Hit the plus on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the third party podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>